So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the F1 podcast that never slows for yellow flags. Didn't see a yellow flag, don't know what you're talking about. Safety be damned. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the sombrero of Formula One podcasts. Is it racist if they do it? (laughs) Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the F1 podcast that also misses Bono, but only 1980s Bono when you two were actually good. I got my iPhone out and it had a Mercedes on it. Oh yeah, early U2, it's pretty decent. No, it's not. Yeah, it was. Welcome to, for Formula One's sake, the irritating, GoPro-wielding mariachi twat of F1 podcasts. I thought that was the perfect visual representation of what we're going for uh, with the podcast. Pretty much. I'm Grez, and today from the internet, we are going to talk about the Mexican Grand Prix, where Ferrari were completely dominant, up to the point where Verstappen was quicker in qualifying and Mercedes won the race. We'll talk about all of that, about Verstappen falling back into his old idiotic ways, about levitating podiums and the results of the day after a pit lane night out. That is all to come. Joining me, kind of, is a man who is itchy, very itchy. It is Phil Tromans. Hello, everyone. I am getting settled into my new house uh, that I mentioned last week. Do you have nits? (laughs) No, worse. Turns out the previous owners uh, had cats and have left a lovely flea infestation in our house. So that's nice, isn't it? Cats, eh? Could be crabs. That would be worse. I mean, that would be slightly less likely than I'd catch it. Some people, when they move into their new flat, shag it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pleased to say I haven't done that. But yeah, one of many things... Haywood Heath. One of many things about a new house that's uh, always fun to discover. And alongside him is a man who hasn't written it on the script. Oh, I don't know. I've been very busy. I've I've been working. I don't know. I've got nothing exciting well, to say. Been working. What have you been working on? I've been working on secret stuff Ooh. at the BBC, which I can't Ooh. talk about. What can you tell <gasps> us about it without telling us about it? it it's about the election. Ooh. <gasps> oh, no, I can't say that. <laughs> Chica, is there anything you can't tell us about? Um, no, but what I can tell you about is that I am smashing the patriarchy, guys. I mean, that's not news. You do that every week. Today, I bled my first radiator. Ooh. Boom! Good work. Did you intend to? Of course I intended to. I marched up to it with my screwdriver and I bled the little fuck. Screwdriver? No, don't, don't use a screwdriver. You want a radiator key. No, no, no. That's where you're wrong. That is well, where you're wrong. Well, I don't want to mansplain, right? love, but I think you find <laughs> that it, you put you dare, a radiator right? key. Some radiators need a radiator key, and I didn't have a radiator te- key, but I ordered one on Amazon. But the radiator that I was bleeding didn't need a radiator key. It needed a screwdriver. 
and I got my screwdriver and I bled it. No. Uh, we should probably point out that we are not all in a room together. Uh, we are actually uh, all on the internet in our own respective houses, which is a little bit weird, a little bit disjointed. It's, it's not as fun getting drunk on your own. I mean, this is what Ms. Apex do every week. Should we play some Mexican music? Should we, should we play some Mexican music? I think that's fine, isn't it? They played it. And if we just have it on repeat for the next hour, that'd be great. Okay, so let's head down to Listener's Corner and, oh no, I've hit the wall. Hey, slow down, Max, you twat. Yes, it's your chance to chime in with your thoughts on our social media and tell us what an arrogant prick Max Verstappen truly is. So we're going to start with Daniel Eckersley, who says, what an arrogant prick Max Verstappen truly is. His comments regarding the yellow flags and his disregard for safety makes him sound like he thinks he's bigger than the sport and is disrespectful to the memory of Jules Bianchi. Well, this was a bit of a bit of fun, wasn't it? Just when we thought Max was behaving himself and maturing, he blatantly ignores yellow flags, sets a faster lap time to get pole position, when he already had pole position, but he thought he'd go a bit faster anyway, and then sort of has a go at everyone that sort of called him out for it in the press conference afterwards. It was really odd. And then probably got a three-pray script penalty. I don't think what he did was... I see. I don't know. I don't think what he did was necessarily that bad. He had some mitigating circumstances in that Bottas had wiped out the sensor box, so the little yellow flag on the dashboard or on the side of the track, the electric ones, weren't showing. So we had to go back to old school flag flags, but they put the flags on like the other side of the corner, and it's like you're looking the other way to turn. So, you know, he didn't necessarily see it. And, you know, having a crash car on the track doesn't necessarily mean stop. So, you know, there's a lot of things there where we can say, you know, Max is a driver with a lot of respect and he's he's done really well over the years. Terry, you hate Max Verstappen. Well, hated. What is going on? Past tense, Chica. We all change. And... I mean, that's all fair and true uh, for the accident itself. But then the sort of real controversy came a bit afterwards go on well when he basically was was questioned about it by the uh, in the press conference and uh, basically said yeah and what no I didn't lift what are you going to do about it I have a theory go on you know how much I like Nigel Mansell I've heard about it yeah you've, you've yeah I think Max Verstappen is similar I think he's got terrific car control and race craft and I also think he's totally thick as pig shit <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they get, do you think they complement each other? Yeah, because I think it means if you're thick, you don't really understand the danger you're in. <laughs> but I think <laughs> I think that because anyone with any sense would be like, okay, I fuck, I fucked up. I'm going to have to be a bit contritious here, and you know, go and apologise and put my head down and say I'm sorry. I didn't realise. And when he comes out with all this kind of stuff, you think. No, you're an idiot, mate. So where does he stand on the uh, Terry like and dislike spectrum this week? Oh, I think I like him more. (laughs) (laughs) Will Bowen says, I've decided that Terry has some kind of voodoo magic in him. As soon as he starts liking a driver, they start driving badly. See Leclerc for the first half of the season and the last few races. Terry's been admiring Max leading to this weekend's performance. Grosjean is obviously the exception that proves the rule. I think Will's got a point here, but the only thing I'd say is Grosjean, I kind of forgot he existed. So he's 
free of my powers. Well, you say that, but I I ran I was running the Twitter this weekend on FF FF1S Twitter and uh, put a poll to see if uh, who would be the first person to crash. Would it be Grosjean or not Grosjean? And while we didn't see it, by the end of the first lap, he was at the back having had some sort of accident. So he's still he's still doing his old tricks. So what are you saying? You jinxed it? No, I'm saying Grosjean jinxed himself by being Grosjean. Right. So Paul Hinton wants to talk tyres. He says Pirelli are pulling a scam. All the tyres are the same. Every race we see the graphic that the hard compound is over 1.5 seconds slower, only for someone to put them on and set the fastest lap. Either they don't know what they are doing, or they just paint different colour strips on identical tyres. It does feel a bit like a kind of 1950s Ealing comedy style ruse, where they're just getting like old tyres from the back of a factory, and then painting them a different colour, and Sid James is cackling. <laughs> the tyres were a bit all over the place this weekend, because basically during uh, free practice, when they were doing their long race runs and seeing what was going on, the temperature was much lower than it was during the race. So when the race came about, suddenly the tyres didn't behave the way everyone expected them to. So everyone was thinking, oh, it's definitely going to be a two-stop race because the tyres aren't going to last. And that's why Hamilton was like, oh, we've come in way too early, this is never going to work. And as it turned out, one stop was the way to go and the, the, the hards lasted a lot longer than everyone thought they would. So I don't think it's entirely Pirelli's fault, although they nobody understood how they were going to react this weekend which I quite liked actually I like a bit of uncertainty but uncertainty in the wrong direction it's boring when the uncertainty is these tyres will last forever well I mean I still remember a couple of seasons ago when the tyres would just go off a cliff all, all of a sudden and people would be skidding all over the place and losing like 20 seconds a lap so I'd rather this yeah that was great <laughs> really you're calling yeah. for more of that are you Mm-hmm. different compounds that go off a cliff at certain points but nobody knows which ones they've got yep and they, they can't have all four tyres on the same compound I thought you were going to say on the same car then. Nick Peppel said I demand more elevators in Formula 1 mechanics must rise out of the ground at half a mile per hour before they can work on the car cars must be lowered into the starting grid from above the trophies rise out from below the driver's feet I quite like that idea more elevators now yep I think it's brilliant I think everything should go up or down. Yeah. Formula One is very much about going forwards and backwards or left and right. And actually, there's not been well, enough. We always up say and the down. best tracks are the ones with the most elevation. So maybe he's onto something. Uh, I mean, this we should probably talk about this. Great. Let's get this in Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi is a very flat track. I feel like Abu Dhabi would embrace this. Probably. Yeah. They had double points. They'd have lifts. We should probably talk about the reason that Nick's talking about this is that the, at the podium, Hamilton and his car came rising out of the floor with him standing aloft on it. Good or cheesy beyond all comprehension? Like God. Amazing. I mean, it was pretty cheesy. Oh, I don't know if it was cheesy in the kind of way that you just respected him. Am I right? No, I would have liked it more if they if, if they'd done exactly what they'd done, but he was surrounded by like a twelve piece mariachi band. Okay, what if if Raikkonen had done it? Oh, Raikkonen would have hated it. He'd have just sat there being really annoyed. Yeah, well, it wouldn't have been cheesy, would it? Hamilton at least embraced it and waved his arms around a bit. I'd have liked it if they all rose up, but his goes up higher, <laughs> so that they all come up at the same level, <laughs> but then his just keeps going until he's like ten foot higher than the others. Yeah. No, that's a good idea. Or maybe, hang on, who was in third? Who was in third? Bottas. It was great. Bottas rose up so you could just see his head rising up. <laughs> and then Hamilton's all the way up. <laughs> so he just, Bottas' head is at floor level, just sort of peering around. 
Yeah. That would be amazing. Good. Well, we've settled that then. In other news, now that you've got all excited about hilarious reverse grid races next year, shut the fuck up and sit the fuck down because it's not happening. Teams voted down the controversial but probably quite interesting proposals to run three reverse championship order grid races on Saturdays next year. Why? Because it's F1 and no one will ever agree on anything. Are we sad about this? Yeah, a little bit. I, yes. I was intrigued to see what it, how it would have worked, but we'll never know now. You have you have said in the, before that, that you were really up for this. Yeah, because I, I, I was, I, well, it was just... No, Phil wasn't up for this. I was you, up for I'm, it. Yeah, and you were. I could sort of see the arguments both ways, but it was one of those things where they announced they weren't doing it. I was like, oh, actually, I would have quite liked to have seen what happened. The idea would have been, as I understood it, that they would have held these reverse... that have reversed the championship standings at three races next year on a Saturday, had a little mini race, and then the results of that race would have formed the grid for the Sunday race that actually counted. Um, and they were going to try it three times and if it worked great and if it didn't well it was worth a go but um, basically Mercedes and Ferrari says no we don't want to do it I think the other team should conspire to do it anyway <laughs> how would that work in practice I don't know how cheating so Renault then oh Ooh. okay so you know when you're out and about and you bump into your ex uh, and it's a bit awkward but they've changed and you're sort of glad you're out of it well, Terry, Pascal Verlein could be coming back to F1. He has been linked to a proposed new team for 2021. The Campos team, run by ex-Minardi driver Adrian Campos, currently runs in F2 and F3, is tangentially linked to the now-defunct HRT team, and they're rumoured to be having another crack at F1. Purportedly with sexy Pascal and super formula driver Alex Paolo because they all drink in the same pub in Monaco or something like that. Terry, their line. Over him? Want him back? What's going on? Yep. No, no, no. Dead to me. Even if he comes back with a sexy new team. Have you seen his like new haircut? It's it's radical. I haven't seen it. Describe it, please. Oh it's like flamboyant. It's like if there was someone really sexy and they somehow ruined how they look by cutting their hair stupid. <laughs> okay, that's not really a metaphor. I'm not saying it... really sounds like he was your ex. I mean, I'm not saying you're shallow, but the fact that he changes his haircuts and suddenly you're, you're just, no, not interested anymore. The other news here, of course, is that there could <laughs> be another um, an, a sort of HRT Mark II backed by an ex-Minardi driver. I mean, if that doesn't have quality written all over it. In other news, on the first reverse grid race, the, the pole position car will be a literal doctor. <laughs> and finally, let us mourn the death of a much-loved part of F1, because one of the key attractions of the sport will no longer be with us in 2020. That's right, the rule that says you have to start the race on a set of tyres that you set your fastest qualifying lap in during Q2 is dead. Well, not dead because all the teams have to agree to kill it, but it's very, very sick. Is this a bad thing? The teams won't agree. The teams often finish like 11th, like the racing points and your Toro Rosso's. Quite like this rule because it gives them a chance to, to get ahead in the race. So they're not going to agree. So we're just going to be stuck with this rule forever then? Yeah, that's how Formula 1 works. Are we actually going to get any changes for 2021, do you think? No. Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at For f one Sake or find us on Facebook where we're For f one Sake or you can email us at wrong at ff1s.com. And a big thank you to Richard Stevenson who gave us a really lovely donation this week and said, after backing Hamilton at five to one, it seems only fair to share my newfound wealth 
Join Richard, support our independent podcast. And Terry, how can they do that? If they go to www.ff1s.com forward slash pint, 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 they can see exactly how they can donate to us. But let's not forget, when the fun stops, well, carry on listening because we've been going for Yeah, and give us some more money. But don't get a gambling habit just to fund our podcast. (laughs) Why don't you take the money you'd spend gambling and then donate it to the podcast? Yeah, and if you short one, we go to a loan shark or something and then <laughs> give us <laughs> yeah, the money that way. I just wanted to question, actually, Rich- Richard Stevenson managed to get Hamilton at five to one. How the hell did he manage that? I don't know much about odds. That's quite good odds, isn't that it? That seems incredibly good odds for, the, for yet another championship for Hamilton. Richard Stevenson sounds pretty dodgy. <laughs> don't say that. He's just given us some of his uh, midlock. And now time for the teams. So we'll start with Mercedes. So Hamilton started in third, had a collision with Verstappen on the first lap and still rose up into first place on the podium, standing on his car like a god. Bottas, not a great weekend. He crashed in qualifying, had to have his car pretty much rebuilt and he managed to stop his teammate winning the championship. So Bottas can still win the championship if Hamilton doesn't finish any race and he wins all of them. <laughs> yes, essentially. But what, what did you feel when Hamilton came into the pits really early? Did you feel nervous? Did you feel excited? I felt nothing. <laughs> Cold and dead inside. Bottas had uh, brake temperature issues due to lack of atmospheric pressure, which I got quite confused about. So I was wondering if you could explain that, Terry. Okay, so in Mexico, there's less air because... Donald Trump has taken it all and brakes need air. And the wall is stopping the air getting yep. in. Okay, got you. Both the drivers have got quite long designer stubble, I noticed. Do you, um, and with a beard, I mean, you've also had a beard recently, Phil, a, a short one. Do you think it itches under a helmet? With the balaclava, I would say that is agony, with a short beard especially. I've often thought this. Yeah. It's, why, it's one of the reasons I didn't get into Formula One. And the fact you can't drive. <laughs> I said one of the reasons, Chica. <laughs> okay, Ferrari. So starting in first and third place, this should have been Leclerc and the underdog's chance to shine. Leclerc's pit team are all getting sacked and or killed after their six-second stop, losing him his place up front. Vettel drove well and finished pretty close behind Hamilton. It was the best drive he's done in a while. Is it because good people that are usually that bit better are having problems or has he actually stepped well, up? Well, what I would game? say, I would say actually that there was a moment near the end of the race where Vettel made a classic Vettel mistake but got away with it. Was it when he was trying to lap, was it Gasly? Oh, and he literally ran into the back of him. Yeah, and he got away with that by sheer luck, to be honest. And that was kind of, that would have, that would have kept up Vettel's like every third race does a race ending or race ruining mistake. And that was it. But he got away with it. No, he did. I mean, he drove all right, but I think it was mostly that... So um, pure luck. It's more that Leclerc uh, got pitted early and had a crap pit stop, and that basically killed any chance he had, more than Vettel being good. I mean, Vettel was fine. I thought he drove all right. It was just Ferrari, basically, ferrari it all up again. Verstappen considers himself above yellow flags now that he is 22 and was just really annoying during the race, as we said. Is he above the flags because he's been risen up on a small podium? <laughs> 
tiny podium. Um, he banged wheels with both Mercedes, which dropped him to last. He did manage to finish in sixth, though. So despite what you think of him, and despite that everyone wanted him to just piss off during the race, that wasn't a bad finish, was it? No, I mean, he drove all right, apart from all the times when he drove really badly and, you know, pissed everyone off. My favourite Verstappen thing this week was that on the BBC, um, Hamilton was interviewed and he did a whole thing going, oh yeah, and uh, Verstappen torpedoed me for the first time and I guess that's why he got his nickname and no one corrected him that that wasn't Verstappen that was Korea <laughs> it's just like it shows how Hamilton's just in this little bubble at the top on his own he's like I've heard of these other drivers oh I don't know their names I was going to say do you think if somebody told him to name the whole grid he'd manage to do it I don't think he would <laughs> Dabari Michael <laughs> uh, that guy looks like Ayrton Senna that guy I mean, that beat me once and I wasn't really trying. Yeah. Sebastian, I know him. That new guy, Charlie. Charlie. He's from Indonesia, I think, yeah. But let's talk about Albon. It was another, another really good drive from the man whose haircut could have secured him a place in A1. Right, Chica, are you referring to A1, the boy band, A1, the road? Why would I refer to the A1 if I was talking about a haircut? <laughs> Because that was the only one that makes sense. I've never heard of A1, the boy band. Who are they? They knew. Oh, for, for God's, God's sake, sake, Phil. Anyway. Yes, Albon drove very well. But he's now outscored Verstappen since joining Red Bull. Well, Verstappen keeps... Yeah, he, love him. Verstappen is, um, is merrily sabotaging himself, and Albon is doing very well. Would you have expected that, Phil? No, I wouldn't. But it's more due to Verstappen fucking up. Albon's been solid, but obviously slower than Verstappen. But Verstappen keeps making mistakes. Okay, Renault. So I don't know if Ricardo is getting more elusive or if I'm just blinking at the wrong times, but I just I just don't see much of him. Um, I don't know if you guys do. No? I saw him. No. No, I didn't really see much of him, actually. Oh, he, did a, he did one Banzai move on somebody, which was classic Ricardo, except he can't do it anymore and just went sailing on at the court and lost the place back again. Was it Perez or someone, I think, as he was trying to get past him towards the Oh, end. yeah, it was Perez. He, he, yeah. he, he sent it. Oh, yeah, I'm he so sent sorry. it in classic Ricardo fashion, but it was sort of return to sender. He licked the stamp and then he went to the post box and then the rain just kind of took it and the wind took yeah. it away and he had to chase down the street to try and get his letter back and then a bus ran over it and then <laughs> a child stole it. <laughs> yeah, and he'd cut his tongue on the stamp. God. And it yeah. was like a sticky one. Didn't even need to lick it. Ugh. It was very sad. Hulkenberg ran into Kvyat at the end... Well, they all, did he? They lost. Or did Kvyat run into Hulkenberg? Whatever, they were, it all went wrong. Are they both called Torpedo? Le Renault lost nine points after breaching the sporting regulations in Japan. Do you think Renault, two questions. Firstly, most importantly, do you think Renault sulked? Uh, no, I would have thought they'd probably be, they'd probably be pretty happy with, with Ricardo's sixth place, to be honest. No, but after um, losing... Losing nine points after... Oh, yeah, they've been knocked about that. Well, apparently, this thing they've got that they've been banned for, Grosjean came out and said it's been on the car for, like, five years. Really? <laughs> so they never checked whether it's legal because they were like, well, it's been there for so long, it must be. <laughs> Good old Grosjean. Yeah. Torpedoing his old team. Secondly, did you see that interview... Um, 
where they said Renault they said Renault said they're not entirely sure if they're going to be coming back next year a what no no I didn't well you should be doing your research guys okay tell us more well obviously I can't remember the name of the guy that it was with but he was from Renault was it a Renault dealership um, outside your house? <laughs> yeah. That was it. Yeah, that was it. Uh, I think I've got all the info you need there. Great. So, okay, um, we'll pop, pop down to yeah. Lucas Renault for more information. <laughs> they will not be uh, running the latest McGann next year. McLaren! Things went wrong for McLaren after what was quite... A, it was quite a positive Saturday for them. They had a pretty good run, though, so things... They have, so far, had a pretty good run. So things could not carry on for them. They were too happy. I've decided that the McLaren team had been on the lash last night and they were hanging out of their asses this morning because this is literally the only explanation. They made the wrong decision putting signs on the hard tyre and he said it was that that ruined their ra- his race. And then Norris was driving out of the pits when the team realised they'd only put half of the wheel on. Where did they go last night and what did they do? They went to a local tequila bar and they made like guacamole mm-hmm. right there in front of them and they all got the shits, I reckon. That would explain it all. Is that what happens in Mexico on a night out? Have you been on a night out in Mexico, Phil? I, I never have, no, have you? Oh, yes. Oh. Have you really? I have. I was in Cancun. Was it with McLaren? I was in Cancun and he made guacamole in front of me and I had a really bad cold and I went home. <laughs> what a holiday it was. Great night. Best night of my life. <laughs> Woo! I wonder if it was somehow related. Do you remember that book we read a couple of years ago, um, uh, The Mechanic, that the uh, that uh, Mark Priestley wrote, which basically described pretty much exactly that for every race during the early 2000s. So maybe they sort of high on their, uh, their success recently and the fact that they got Mercedes coming back, they decided to spin back time and do all that again. But they, yeah, they were fairly catastrophic. That Norris pit stop was one of the saddest things I've ever seen, where they were just sort of forlornly putting him back and then tried to change the tyres again. Yeah, Norris has had a lot of bad luck this year, but he's still good. But Sainz is actually really good, isn't he? He is, when he's on the right tyres. No, he's decent, and I think Norris is good as well. It's been an interesting little battle with them. I think Sainz has got the the upper hand, but Norris isn't too far behind him. And I think if, if we could just get them both a decent car... They'd be, they'd be one of the strongest driver pairings on the grid, I reckon. Racing point. Perez got points in his home race, which was good, and we were all really pleased for him. Now, I watched an interview where Perez took a presenter around his hometown in Mexico, and he talked about what he did in his spare time. What do you think that is? I think he saves tyres, I think. Okay. He's <laughs> just got a, yeah, just got a just huge yard around. of them. Yeah, he sees a tyre in the street. He wheels it back to his car. He just rescues tyres off the streets. He rescues (laughs) tyres or he stuffs dead animals. (laughs) Why not both? Genuinely, his hobby is eating frozen (laughs) yoghurt. The charisma of that man. Wow. Sweet Jesus. Now, Stroll had problems with his front tyres. I was just going to say that Stroll once again didn't get out of Q1, back to his old ways. I mean, the thing with Racing Point is they've got this money. They're starting to get good again. Stroll shit. Next. Hey! Hey! <gasps> Another not great week for Haas. Magnussen finished in 15th and Grosjean spent most of the time near the back saying that nothing was really working. What do you think? 
they were absolutely woeful this weekend. This must be one of their worst races, where they, at least one where they've actually finished. They were absolutely nowhere. Whatever has gone wrong for them this year is just catastrophic. Catastrophic. Catahasis. Hasistrop. Get that word. I did hear some rumours that um, Gene House is getting a bit fed up with this now, uh, hey. which is leading to more rumours that maybe they might bail on it. Well, it's, just, it's it's the classic F1 of thing of coming in and then finding that it's actually really difficult to be good at F1. Um, and they seem to be worse in comparison to everyone else than they were in their first season. So, uh, I don't know. How much longer do you reckon he's going to hang around? And don't forget, we've had the whole Rich Energy saga this year. It's not been a good year for them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, let's... Let's talk about Rich Energy because did I've refollowed them because somebody told me they were still doing funny stuff on Twitter, uh, and this week they were tweeting as if they were still sponsors of the Haas F1 team. Did you see oh, this? I don't know what's going on. I mean, it's just confusing, isn't it? <laughs> it was really odd. It was like they were still the chief sponsors and they were good friends and they were going, "Oh, it's great progress. You know, the Haases are doing really well. Great luck to the guys." You know, and everyone was like, "You, you, you know, you guys fell out and had a legal dispute." I don't know what they're doing. But uh, refollow them again because they're yeah they're they're hilarious again. <laughs> Toro Rosso. So Kvyat shoving Hulkenberg off the track right at the end of the race meant that he got a 10-second penalty and slapped wrists all round. Gasly had the almighty bug that was spoken of all weekend, which can be translated into the shits for all us plebs. So I have to give him my utmost respect for finishing ninth in a nappy. Which driver do you think would drive best with an illness? E.g. the plague, but maybe the early stages. This sounds like a standings waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably Bottas. I think you're right. I did think... Of the current grid? Yeah. I think Kubica, just because nothing nothing will phase him. It won't be any worse. So I think he could literally get Ebola and still put in a position, you know, just 30 seconds or so behind Russell. <laughs> I think Bottas would be not even aware he was ill. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe that's his problem. To be honest, I'd like it if if Gasly had won the race and it was his car that came up on the podium and everyone just went, what the fuck is that smell? <laughs> as, as, he, as he stands up, there's just like a big brown patch on his rover and oh. there's like splatter all over the seat. <laughs> Gasly, what was your first race? How do you feel? Um, can we go now? Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo's pit team were also suffering after the night out and managed to kind of lift up Gio's car and then drop it while trying to change the tyres. Raikkonen had some floor damage and his cooling system was being rubbish. Not a great weekend and not helped by the prevalent team hangover. Do you think Raikkonen would be fun on a night out? I think it depends who's paying. Because <laughs> imagine if you were having to foot the bill, you wouldn't be enjoying that night out, would you? No, it would be expensive. But he's got enough money to be able to pay for all the vodka he can drink. And he can drink well, a lot of it. What's not about you, though? Do you think he would be fun? Yes, I think he'd be tremendous fun. Do you reckon? Yes, I've seen the footage of him and he's had a couple of drinks. But if you're at a restaurant and you said, I'll pay for this, and you someone was taking the piss drinking a lot, you can't enjoy yourself. So no matter how fun they are, you wouldn't be enjoying yourself. That's all I'm saying. Williams! You can hear Williams' team tactics conference... Nothing happens, nobody notices, and if they do, we look shit and we look boring. 
So after an afternoon of team building exercises and mind maps, Williams came up with the plan to duel two teammates against one another. No, it wasn't that exciting, but it was a damn sight more interesting than the usual attempt at a showstopper. Do you reckon we could get more of these? I'm up for that, actually. I mean, if they they could just accept the fact that they're not going to win, they're not going to get anywhere near any of the other teams, why not put on some sort of demonstration-type event, like when you go to an air show and there's an old Spitfire and a Messerschmitt flying around? Yeah, I think they should do that more often. Mm. Have, like, smoke bombs. It was was exciting, though, wasn't it? I thought it was quite exciting. Yeah, they could rub wheels and, you know, have coloured streamers coming out the back or something. I don't know. They could shake fists at each other (laughs) or dramatic music. Why you... It was actually quite close between the two Williams drivers this, uh, well, for some of the race anyway. At one point, Kubica was ahead of Russell and looked like he deserved to be. Bless Williams, they were doing their best to make it entertaining. All of which brings us to the standings with Terry Saunders. Okay, so we've spoken a lot about the podium rising ceremony, and I thought long and hard about this, and thought, if we're going to bring this to every race, we need to work out how each driver is going to come up out of that podium, and here are my results. Number one, rise like a champion, it's Lewis Hamilton. Number two, he'll stand there, but only if Lewis is busy, it's Valtteri Bottas. Three, will demand to stand there regardless of the result, that's Charles Leclerc. Four, when the platform has risen, he will have managed to fall over, it's Sebastian Vettel. The fifth place, as a yellow flag, but the platform rises, won't stop him, it's Verstappen. Sixth place, as mentioned, he'd shat himself, it's Pierre Gasly. In seventh place, it will just be his dad stood there, it's Carlos Sainz. <laughs> Eighth place is holding a picture of Gasly laughing. It's Alexander Albon. <laughs> and in ninth place, it'll be a Mexican hero. He'll be in a sombrero. It's Perez himself. In tenth place, he'll be scratching a lottery ticket. For if Renault have won a race, his luck is in. It's Daniel Ricciardo. And eleventh place, Nico Hulkenberg. It won't happen. Let's not bother thinking about it. He's never going to get a podium. <laughs> Selfie camera at the ready is Lando Norris. Then Daniel Kvyat will shoot out like a torpedo so fast he takes off. <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen, the platform will come up but be empty because he's already pissed. And Lance Stroll will have lots of money, but he'll fail to show. Magnussen will be bent over doing a Mooney. <laughs> Roman Grosjean, the platform will come up, but he'll be facing the wrong way. Um, somehow Giovinazzi would have crashed the car that's stationary. And Kubica, who will stand there with his teeth gritted against adversity. Okay. And the constructors, which I warn you now, is weak because I wrote this whilst we were trying to set up the internet. I am a big fan of burritos. So I thought, what would be Team's burrito thing? (laughs) Yes, classic. In first place, Mercedes would be the people who have the uh, guacamole for £1.50 extra. And Ferrari will have the tortilla chips for a fiver because they've got that extra money from Bernie Eccleston every year. Red Bull would be a no-carb naked burrito because Adrian Newey doesn't like any carbs. McLaren Renault would be beautifully wrapped but still shit. (laughs) Renault would be disqualified because the kitchen would have food hygiene problems. And Toro Rosso would be similar with dysentery. Racing Point would only be 40 quid for a burrito because with the stroll money, they've lost all touch of reality. And Alfa Romeo's burritos would be full of tequila. The Haas burritos would be rich energy branded, which means they won't exist. And the Williams burrito would be the best looking in the world, but it would fall on the floor just before you get to unwrap it. <laughs> um, I've never had a burrito. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Well, they just never looked never that appetizing. No, I just looked up into a couple of burrito places and they just looked a bit meh. We've seen what you eat. You basically eat meat 
with carbs and nothing else. And a burrito is you are meat. made for burritos. It's meat and rice and wrapped up in a bit of bread. Yeah, but doesn't it have other stuff as well? <laughs> Little bitty things. There's cheese. And, okay, there are beans. You don't have to have the no, beans. See, I'm out. Unless it's literally Heinz baked beans, I'm out. And now it is time for the Fact Off Mexico edition. The winner of last week, Phil. Uh, would you like to start, please, with your Mexican-themed fact? Yes, I will. Uh, we all know that some countries have more than one official language. For example, Wales has English and Welsh. Mexico has 68 official languages. Ooh, that's good. Can you name them, please? Yes. Okay. I think that's fine then. Terry, would you like to come forward with your competing fact? Mexico is home to the world's smallest volcano, which is a cute 43 foot tall. (laughs) That's nice. Well, Phil's going to win that one. Yeah, although I did like Terry's. Terry? Mexico City is sinking. Really? Where? Downwards. <laughs> Have you got any more um, than that, or it's just sinking? I'll just come off the page. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's all oh. sinking. Okay, that clears it up. Oh. Phil? Uh, okay, right. Uh, Yucatan in Mexico was named after a misunderstanding. Spaniards asked the locals what the place was called, and they replied, Yucatan, which in their language means, I don't understand you. That was good. I'm going to give that one to you as well, Phil. Okay, and now the final fact. In Mexico, artists can pay their taxes with artwork. Oh. Great. Terry? The Caesar salad was invented in Mexico. Oh, that's good. That is good. I thought it was a Mediterranean treat. It's nothing to do with Julius Caesar. It was a brainchild of a restaurateur called Caesar Cardini who dreamt up in his Mexican restaurant. Well, that's got to win that one as a big fan of a... I mean, that that is a good fact. So it is 2-1 to Phil. Well done. That's three in a row, Phil, if I'm... Yay! I'm doing well. I'm coming back. You've really... You've upped your game. Yeah. If I'd have been keeping track of the standings, I might be excited about how close I am or aren't. Now time for the State of F1 with Terry Saunders. The complexities of making F1 tyres is surely a baffling subject to anyone who hasn't got a degree in thermo-rubber dynamics. But even so, I'm sure that anyone can get it more right than Pirelli. The hard tyres are supposed to be the most durable, but this weekend they lasted virtually the whole race and the poorer teams have even put them on the trucks to drive to Texas. Every track is different, all the tyre compounds are different and it's a hard science to master and on the whole pretty get it there or thereabouts. But when it goes wrong we get a farcical commentary where all the data says they'll pit on lap X but actually they pit on lap, well they don't pit at all. But don't worry, I've got a solution. 
Everything else is mandated in the rules these days, so let's set a maximum tyre length. If Pirelli says the tyres should last 20 laps, then let's make it so on the 21st lap you have to pit. That way we'd have a bit more pit action and a bit more chance for things to mess up. And if you think that's making everything more artificial, it's no worse than engines and gearbox lives, etc. Seems that reverse. And why not bring it to more things? Drivers' careers, wings have to do eight races before there are any more flicks and whizzes added, or if a barge wall snaps tough, you've got to stick with it for another month. That would make the black and orange flag somewhat redundant. So if they ever if they ever crash, they've just got to they've just got to make do. Yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Or you, you're allowed a bit of gaffer tape. <laughs> yeah, as much gaffer tape. Got to try and, and cut costs. Yeah. So that is it from us. It's goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. We haven't had time to talk about the fact that loads of countries around the world uh, this weekend could have watched the Mexican Grand Prix on Twitch, which is the uh, computer game streaming service, uh, which was a bit weird. Don't know why. Don't know if it was any good or not. Good. And to Terry Saunders. We haven't had time to talk about Vettel having a go at the shitty trophies that you get. He, he was having a bit of a go at the <laughs> selfie guy, but he also moaned that the trophies are rubbish. What a dick. We'll be back next week to discuss the US Grand Prix and the new rules. But in the meantime, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash for F1's sake. And make sure you are following us on Twitter at for F1's sake. Can you, can you buy stuff? I mean, I haven't checked. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening. See you next week. I'm in GQS. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Podcast Network.